Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Do you ever struggle with anger? Do you know someone who struggles with anger? Maybe you have a child that struggles with anger. Well, anger manifests itself in many ways, and you might struggle with anger and not realize it. You see, there's some people that are very prone to very strong outward reactions. They're very intense. And so when something goes wrong or they feel that they've been wrong themselves or they see something not working out, they have very passionate responses. They have loud outbursts. They might even lose their temper. But there are other people who keep their reactions buried on the inside. They don't let others see what's going on inside, but they're angry. Yeah, deep down, they feel really hurt. They feel upset. They're frustrated. They're tired of being treated a certain way. They don't say anything. They may not start yelling. But on the inside, they start building up walls. They build up resentment. They withdraw in relationships. Maybe you've experienced that before. Maybe you've been hurt by someone who struggles with anger. <laughs> Maybe from your childhood, you have a parent or a sibling that, that had big outbursts of anger. Or Maybe when you were growing up, you had a coach or a teacher that, that couldn't control their anger. Or Maybe right now, there's someone in the office, someone you know, maybe your boss struggles with anger. Anger is a powerful emotion. And we're going to see that God actually gave us this emotion and he wants us to use it for good. If it's used in the right way, anger can be used for great love, for great good we're going to see. But if we don't learn to control our anger, we're going to end up hurting other people. And we'll end up hurting ourselves. We'll become a slave to just all of our passions. Whenever something goes wrong, we just lose our temper. We, we, we can't control our anger. We've got to learn to grow in self-control with this passion. We need to train our children to grow in self-control with this passion of anger. But what exactly is anger? There's a lot of misunderstandings on that. What exactly is anger? How can we use it for good? How can we moderate, control our anger better? That's what I want to take a look at in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sri, and I have just come back from the sunshine state of Florida. I was down there at Ave Maria University. We are beginning the cycle of training our missionaries. And the first wave was just this week where we were training the team directors in focus all around the country and overseas. And they all came to Ave Maria and we did a fun kayaking pilgrimage to an island that is really important for the history of the Catholic Church in the United States. You may not know about this, but uh, you know I love leading pilgrimages, and I lead pilgrimages to Rome, to the Holy Land, to Poland, but there's some awesome sites right here in our own country. We don't have to leave the United States. You can just go to some of these amazing sites like this little island off the, the shores of Southwest Florida. Uh, this is where the Jesuits first came and built their first mission. So the Jesuits built their first mission on this island off Southwest Florida. This is where the Calusas were. And this Jesuit mission, uh, it, it was intense. Uh, they were entering an intense culture of death. Yes, the, the Calusas would sacrifice their children. They sacrificed Christians and and I just am so inspired by these early Jesuits in the 1500s that were so motivated by love 
they just love Jesus so much. And they loved souls so much, souls of all nations, of all backgrounds. And they would do everything and make every sacrifice to bring the truth and love of Jesus Christ to people. So they traveled to this distant land. They didn't know the language. They didn't know the culture. And and they suffered. And on a human level, a kind of a worldly perspective, it seems like they failed because the mission closed in just a few years and they were martyred. <laughs> so it seems like a failure. And, and, and I love this lesson. This is what I shared with the missionaries is that we should never look at our efforts to love souls, to care for souls, to evangelize souls, to pass on the faith, whether it's with our own children. We should never look at ourselves as failures. I failed. Or what we did, you know, is passing on the faith with a family member or a friend, a coworker. We should never look at these things from just a worldly perspective because Pope Francis says we're all part of the body of Christ. So there's a spiritual reality at work if we really gave our best. Now, that's the key. Did I give my best? Did I pour out my heart in prayer and fasting and sacrifice for the soul? Uh, did I do all I could to be kind and charitable to the soul? Did I listen to the soul? Did the soul know? Did they, whether it's my my child or my friend or my brother, did they know I love them no matter what? Did they know I love them no matter whether they choose to be a devout Catholic or not? Did they do they do they know that I have genuine friendship with them? And and did they see from my example the love of Christ? You know, if I just do give my best in in, in my work of evangelization, then I should never feel that I failed. Why? Because there's a spiritual reality at work here. If I'm praying and I'm fasting and I'm giving my best to pass on the faith to my kids, to pass on the faith to the people in my life, then God's going to use that. He's going to use that spiritual power, whether it's maybe just, maybe I don't see the fruit of it in my own life. Maybe I'm just planting a seed that God will cultivate. And many years later that that seed will grow, but I may not see it. Or maybe God takes all the energy I, I work. He, Pope Francis writes about this, like a missionary in Africa may not see the tangible fruit right in front of them, but all of their efforts may bear fruit for a missionary in China. <laughs> that, that we're all part of the body of Christ. We're connected. It, our work in evangelization, our prayers, our sacrifices never go to waste. And, and that's a great lesson to learn. And, and as we were standing on these very islands where those Jesuits came in the 1500s and they suffered and sacrificed and even died, it was not a failure because we were standing there. We are Catholics, five centuries later almost, that are standing in the state of Florida and we worship and we go to adoration there and we, we go to mass there, we receive the sacraments there. Those efforts of those Jesuits centuries ago are bearing fruit today and has made the Catholic faith possible for us. So keep that as a great lesson. That's a little fervorino is what I shared with the with the, the missionaries on the island, on the beach, uh, right there off the shores of Florida. Now, let's go back to anger, though. I want to talk about what anger actually is. And I want to ask a question. Is it okay to ever be angry? Like if someone just came up to you and said, hey, is it okay to be angry? Imagine one of your kids, whether you have a kid now or you hope to have a kid someday. Imagine a kid saying to you, to the parent, hey, mom, can I be angry? I think most of us would just instinctively say, no, oh, no, no you should not be angry. We're called to be peaceful Christians, you know, never have anger. That's not so Catholic, actually. I, I want to be clear about this. What What is anger exactly? And if you look at the Bible, it, at first glance, it seems like maybe the Bible's offering two contradictory messages about anger. I mean, take a look at what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, verses 21 through 22. 
he quotes the, the, the Ten Commandments, the law, thou shalt not kill. And then he commands us not to be angry. He says, you've heard that it was said to the men of old, you shall not kill. And whoever kills shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be liable to judgment. So Jesus says, you know, he quotes the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill. Yeah, that, that's good. But don't even fall into anger. We're going to go deeper here. Don't, don't even be angry with your brother or you'll be liable to judgment. So that's pretty strong language against anger. But then there's other times in the Bible where you see Jesus himself seems to get angry. (laughs) You know, Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 to 13, he storms into the temple right after coming into Jerusalem on the donkey and the day we know is Palm Sunday. He storms into the temple. He turns over the tables, the money changers, and he, he condemns the sacred place. He's particularly condemning the rulers of the temple there, the ones in charge of the temple, the chief priests. It's pretty intense. He seems kind of angry there. And then later that same week, he says some very intense words about the Pharisees. Listen to them. He even calls them children of hell. I mean, this is this is intense language from Jesus. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you traverse sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Seems like these are angry words, angry actions coming from Jesus there in Holy Week. What is this? What is this all about? Are, are we supposed to be angry? We're not supposed to be angry. Jesus seems to get angry. Listen to what St. Paul says. One last verse. Chapter 4. This is in his letter to the Ephesians. Chapter 4, verse 26. Be angry, but do not sin. So I want us to first realize that the anger is one of the emotions and the passions. And passions in and of themselves are not good or evil. They're neutral. It depends how we use them. They can be used for good if, if you know directed in the proper way. But if we're not very careful, they can be used for great harm. Anger is in that category. So think of anger as, as neutral, but it depends how we use it. So Jesus is showing us that there are, are many cases where we should not let our anger get the best of us, so to speak, uh, that we can use anger in a bad way and we will be liable to judgment. That's what he's talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. But as St. Paul says in Ephesians 4, 26, we're commanded to actually sometimes be angry. It actually is not virtuous to not have anger over certain things. If I see, you know, some great injustice in this world, you know, that we, we neglect the poor in our, in our world, I, I should be angry about that. We should care for the poor. Every day, 4,000 plus babies are murdered in abortion in the United States. I should be angry about that. <laughs> you know, I, now I, I don't fall into rage. I don't fall into violence. But what is anger? That, that's what I, want. I think maybe that's what we need to see. What exactly is anger? And I, I want to help you to really have a good Catholic perspective on anger. So can you just work with me for a moment right here? I'm just going to ask you, my listeners, to, to set aside like the perspectives you have on what anger is from Hollywood or just our culture today. I think about like my kids, they watch this, um, you, these YouTubers called Dude Perfect. I don't know if you ever watched them. They're really funny. I think they're Christians from Texas. Um, but they 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 they're famous. I have their YouTube channel that they do all these trick shots and things, and um, my kids love watching them. But they also do these little comic moments, and they they have the, this this character that comes out every once in a while, and they call him the Rage Monster. It's just a dad, and and all of a sudden something bad happens, like on Christmas, and something breaks, and he just loses it, and he you know tears up the all the presents and 
bangs on things. It, it's just it's meant to be a comedy. It's meant to be funny. Or, you know, he pulls out a sledgehammer and breaks his car, and you know, just and and he loses his rage. I, I don't want you to think of that as is what we're talking about here today. That's clearly sinful anger. <laughs> we wouldn't want that, right? Um, but but anger itself. I'm going to give you the definition. Are you ready? Here's this is what Saint Thomas Aquinas. A Catholic theologian. This is a Catholic definition for anger. Anger is a desire to punish. Now, even when I say that word, I know some of you just cringed. I know it's it's hard in our world today. We use these words anger and punishment, and they have a, such a negative connotation. I, I want you to please work with me here on this one, okay? I, I want you to understand anger and punishment from a Catholic perspective. Punishment isn't about getting even. I'm just so mad at you. I just want you to suffer. I think that's how we think of punishment. Don't think of it that way. Think of punishment as an effort to help set things right, uh, to set things right. I, I want things to be done well. I want justice in this world. I want people to be treated well. Uh, I want my family life to be ordered well. I want I want God's order, the order of the universe that he has planned for our lives to, to, I, I want him to reign. I, I want Christ's kingdom to reign in all of our hearts. You know, so it's a desire when I see something going wrong, I want to set things right. I see something going wrong in the office. There's somebody mistreating someone else. I should report that. That's good. Like the, the, There shouldn't be that injustice over there. Uh, and, and my passion of anger is, is pushing me to, to say something, to report something, to do something to protect someone else for their good. So anger isn't about getting even, it's about setting things right. And, and Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas says, punishment should always have these two aspects here. That it, it, in one hand, punishment is remedial, meaning it's, it's for the person's good, it's for their rehabilitation. So if I see something in the office, there's an employee that's you know, taking money or this employee that's you know, treating other employees not well. He, he degrades them, belittles them all the time. And, and I'm noticing that and I have a, a responsibility in this area. I need to say something to him. I need to report him to HR if I need to, whatever that is. You know? but, but I'm doing that for his sake because it's not because I just want to get even with him. I want him to suffer. You know, it's, a, it's for his good. So we may have to put him on a performance plan. We may have to put him on probation. Uh, so there, there's a punishment here. There's a reprimand, but, but we're doing it out of love. It's love that's motivating me to do this. I, I want that person to get better. I want him to realize what he's doing is not right. Maybe he doesn't see, he's got this blind spot. Maybe he's been rationalizing this and saying it's not that big of a deal. And he needs to, he needs to know, no, this is really a big deal. You, you've got you to be more professional here. You got to be more virtuous here. Like, so it's for his good. I, if, if I really love this person, I want what's best for him. That's what love is, to will the good of the other. So I want what's best for this person. So I'm going to talk to him about it. What's so sad today is we, we just tend to never talk about things. And there's all these dysfunctions in offices and dysfunctions in parishes and dysfunctions in family life because we never talk about hard things. We don't talk about conflict. We don't point things out to people when they're doing something that's not good. That's not good for them to keep doing. This man is made to be a virtuous man that treats others with justice and dignity. And so if I really love him, I, I wanna, I'm going to give him this reprimand. We're going to give him this punishment, this performance plan, this, uh, this conversation. We're going to put this man on probation because we love him. It's for his good. So punishment should always be remedial for the good of the person. But it, there's a second thing that punishment should also be, and, that, and it's there for our, protecting other people. 
like maybe we need to intervene with this guy in the office because there are many other employees that don't feel safe around him. They they dread when he's in a meeting. They're afraid that they're going to get yelled at or something. So so in order to protect the other people in the office, we need to put this man on this performance plan. <laughs> you know, so this is this is why anger can be used for good, a sense in which anger can be used for good. We see an injustice. We see something not going well. And and so we want to set things right out of love for the person that's doing the wrong and out of love for the people that are being harmed by that person for their protection. So this is why Aquinas describes how we can have a good anger. He calls it a good anger or a zealous anger, or you could think of it as a virtuous use of anger. What is virtuous good anger? It's when we're angry about the right things in the right way. Think about Jesus. When Jesus goes to the temple, he condemns the temple leaders, the chief priests. Why? In large part, because he knows that they're about to plot against him to have him crucified. <laughs> and, and Jesus loves them. And he doesn't want them to carry out this, this greatest evil. Same thing with the Pharisees. Why does he say those harsh words to the Pharisees? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You make yourself twice as much a child of hell if you do. You know, why does he use these very stern words? Because he loves them. You know, sometimes you have to intervene, just like with the guy in the office. Maybe he's been behaving this way. Some people have said something to him, but he's not really listening. So when you set him down and saying, hey, we're putting you on probation. We need to see change over the next 90 days. It makes it more serious. It's like, whoa, okay, I real, wow, I didn't realize what I was doing. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's stepping in and doing dramatic actions, turning over the tables of money changers, condemning the temple, using these woes upon the Pharisees, showing a clear picture of what they're doing. If you Pharisees and you chief priests continue in your plot to persecute the Son of God, to murder the Son of God, to have him crucified, you'll be separated from me. If you, if you continue to, to reject me, you'll be separated from me. Not because I don't, I, I, want, I want to be in relationship with you. My arms are open wide, but you're, you're pointing fingers at me. You're running away from me. You're about to have me crucified. And I love you so much. I'm just telling you how dangerous of a spot you're in. I just want you to see really clearly what you're doing. And it worked, by the way. What Jesus did, do you, do you notice what happens? You know, on Good Friday, there's a Pharisee named Nicodemus. Remember him? He, he didn't really, he was confused about Jesus early on in his career. And, but he was motivated by Jesus and, and, and inspired by him. And he's there taking care of Jesus on Good Friday. Joseph of Arimathea was another one of these leaders in Jerusalem. And he's going to be there with Jesus on Good Friday. So Jesus is hard love, his tough love in Holy Week there, when he says these words and does these actions, it was motivated by love and it gave some of them, it gave all of them the chance to repent, to turn to, to the truth, to the right way. And certainly some of them did. So it's beautiful to see. And so I think maybe one practical thing we could take away here is to think about in our own lives, do we stand up for truth? Do we desire to set things right? Do we love the people in our lives enough to direct our anger in a proper way? So I want to close with this. There are times when we can sit back 
and not be angry over the things that we should. This is what Aquinas calls unreasonable patience, when we don't get angry over the things we should be angry about. Now, I want to be clear, next episode, I'm going to come back and I'm going to unpack more like how we fall into sinful anger. Really clearly, Aquinas lists the many different ways we fall into sinful anger and what we can do about it, how we can moderate our anger. Next week, I want to talk a little bit too about how this relates to parenting, that parents can easily lose their temper many times, (laughs) you know, stop yelling at your brother. And then you find yourself yelling at the child yourself. <laughs> you know, um, So uh, there's many ways we fall into sinful anger. And at the same time, there are many ways, and I don't think many Catholics realize this, that parents fall into the vice of unreasonable patience when they don't discipline their kids when they should. They don't train their children in self-control. They overlook injustices and the children end up being trained in selfishness. They end up being trained in vice. Many good Catholic parents miss out on virtue training with their kids. We're going to talk about that next week, but I want to just delineate here as we're talking about good anger and unreasonable patience here. So good anger, virtuous anger is when we're angry about the right things in the right way. I don't get angry if somebody just stubbed my toe. You know, I don't get angry if somebody made a small mistake they didn't intend to. But when there is a serious injustice, I do respond. And I respond in a moderate way. I don't respond in rage, but I do respond. And it's actually a vice to not respond when things are going wrong. When we see things around us, whether it's in our own home, we see an injustice, we see a certain child that keeps behaving a certain way and it causes problem for the family. It ends up hurting other people or they don't do their chores and we don't respond that's actually not virtuous. Aquinas calls this the vice of unreasonable patience. Because what we're doing is when when we don't respond to that injustice in a child, we encourage their vice to continue. And then it also does another thing, Aquinas says, that when when we don't get angry over things we should, and remember what anger is, right? It's, It's a desire to set things right a desire to address problems it doesn't mean losing your you know your temper and rage and all that we're talking about responding properly not only do we encourage vice in others but it leads others to do evil as well so if there's one kid that just keeps taking popsicles out of the freezer not that that ever happens in the three household and we don't address that <laughs> you know we're too busy or too much going on and so this one kid keeps getting popsicles and the other kid is saying hey mom He's taking popsicles and then mom's just too busy and doesn't do anything. What does it do? It encourages, well, the other kids see, well, he's getting away with it. I can get away with it too. So then then the other kids will start taking the popsicles, right? Or if we see one kid kind of picking on another kid and we're too distracted, we're too busy, whether it's, you know, we're we're getting dinner ready or we're watching a soccer game on TV or something and, 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 and I'm not disciplining. What it does is it's not only going to encourage that kid that's that's misbehaving, that kid that's picking on the other sibling, it's not just going to encourage him to continue in his vice. It's going to encourage the other siblings. The other siblings will see, well, he gets away with that. So I'm going to start picking on other people. It's really important we stay on top of discipline in our home with our children. That's what I'm going to talk about a little bit more next week. But it's also true for society. You know, for example, you know, I use the issue of abortion you know, in our country. That's something we should be angry about. 
That doesn't mean we fall into violence or rage. We're not talking about that. But we desire, we should desire to set things right. It is such an injustice that the baby in the womb is killed. This is this, and, and it's such, it is horrible for the mother, the trauma they they have to go through, and and, and sometimes even the dad if he's involved. You know, there, there's just, there's just so much that's wrong with abortion. But when Catholics, Catholic leaders, Catholic politicians fail to stand up for the truth. And they fail to condemn policies that support abortion. What happens? So, what I mean by that, whether it's Catholic, Catholic politicians, priests, bishops, lay people like you and me, if if we don't get angry about this, we don't stand up and stand up to protect human life. Then what 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 happens? It encourages the wickedness in our culture to continue, because everyone sees well, no one really cares. No one's bothering to fight against abortion as much. So when we're silent, even though we may privately be pro-life, but we're silent about that witness, it encourages the wickedness in the culture to continue. But it also, it, it causes confusion. It will lead even other good people to just go, well, you know, my priest doesn't say anything about abortion, so maybe it's not that big of a deal. You know, well, my, my the politician that you know we have in our state, you know, he's he's Catholic and he doesn't say anything about abortion. He seems to think it's okay, so maybe it's not that big of a deal. Or my mom, you know, never never really talked that much about abortion, so maybe it's not that big of a deal. You see, when we fall into unreasonable patience, when we're not angry over the things we should be angry in the right way, moderate, of course, right? Uh, but it, it it encourages wickedness to continue. But it leads even good people that would that would probably want to do what's good, but they're just confused because they don't see our witness. Uh, this these are some wonderful ways. I love thinking about anger here, uh, and I want to talk more next week about the ways we fall into sinful anger and how we could overcome that weakness of anger and when we fall into sinful anger and how we can, especially thinking about in our relationships in our families, how do we channel anger in the proper way and avoid falling into the bad ways, especially when it comes to disciplining children. We'll look at that next time. Thanks so much for listening and God bless. 